Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello all, it's Helen here the voice of Azu from Rusty Quill Gaming, and the host and director of Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Program. The Program audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state, and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not the future that is terrifying, but our present. The program is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about the program at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for the program audio series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and enjoy the episode. Would anyone like to tell me what they think a period drama is? I think it is when two people want to shag, but they can't talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Rusty Quill presents Enthusiasm. Hello friends and fans and welcome to Enthusiasm, the show where we talk about a few of our favourite things. I'm your host Helen Gould, one of the best rusty quillers. 
Today we're talking about period drama TV shows. And I am ravished. No, that doesn't sound right. (laughs) (laughs) Helen's being ravished. Why on air? Someone save them. Enraptured? Enraptured. Good one. I am enraptured to be joined by Faye, Imogen, Nemo and Raffaella. So... As always, let's introduce ourselves alphabetically. So, Faye, what are your pronouns and what do you do? My pronouns are Zizia or they, them, and I have various hats. I am a business change and project manager. I am a performance poet and I am a still somewhat accidental voice actor. (laughs) (laughs) After this time, it's possibly less of an accident, but yes, that's me. (laughs) You know, it's a surprising amount of people who are accidentally voice actors these days. (laughs) (sighs) Imogen, what are your pronouns and what do you do? Hi there, I'm Imogen Harris. My pronouns are she, her. I was voice on Magnus Archives and on Stella Firma. And in my day job, I write copy for modern art. Mm. Oh, that's quite fancy. I know, right? Check myself out. (laughs) I was talking to my mum about it and she said, well, I mean... How do you make sure that doesn't sound pretentious? And I went, <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I think if you're worried about sounding pretentious, you may be in the wrong job. Yeah. It's a kind of a losing battle, that really, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Embrace your inner pretentiousness. <laughs> Next up, Nemo. What are your pronouns and what do you do? Hello, my name is Nemo. I use they, them pronouns. And I am a writer and theatre maker. And for Rusty school. Rusty Squid? That is not <laughs> the name for Rusty Quill. Don't give it away. <laughs> I, I am writing uh, a podcast called Trice Forgotten, which is coming out this year. Hooray! I'm really excited, genuinely so excited. Mm. I've got to add a squid now, just to, you know, thematically <laughs> contractually. <laughs> and Raffaella, what are your pronouns and what do you do? Hi, I'm Raffaella, often Raf, because Raffaella has too many syllables in it. <laughs> My pronouns are she, her. I am a writer and director, theatre maker, and I am writing on two upcoming Rusty Quill podcasts, Cry Havoc, Ask Questions Later, and also Trice Forgotten. Woo! <laughs> very good, very good. Well, let's start with some definitions. Would anyone like to tell me what they think a period drama is? I think it is when two people want to shag, but they can't talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh no, that does describe a lot of it, doesn't it? I've given this a lot of thought. Before we started, we we started talking about like, you know, eras and, and what it means and stuff. And I was like, one one thing I wanted to say was, do we think that Naruto, the anime, is a period drama? Because technically it's set in a period other than contemporary Japan. And it is about Naruto and Sasuke, who do want to shag, but... <laughs> God, <okay. laughs> so that's my spicy opinion that I'm dropping at the beginning, and it's only going to get better from here. <laughs> I believe you. However, I've never seen Naruto, so I cannot... Me neither. I am an objective observer in this case i didn't even know that it was set in like the real world i thought i assumed it was like a fantasy thing i mean it is a fantasy show but there's a japanese genre called chidaigeki 
which it kind of falls into as well, which basically is just like period drama, but Japanese. Oh. And the whole like ninja samurai kind of world falls into that. Mm. So in my head, period <laughs> drama. Fair enough. Mm. Well, listener, we'll leave it up to you. <laughs> <laughs> Any other takers for what a period drama is? I think it's when the viewers get really obsessed with whether the facial hair is correct or not. <laughs> <laughs> when is that? Has that happened? Oddly enough, with some of the people I talk to, yes. Okay. Because I have friends who are not only into watching period dramas, but who've done costuming or makeup or stuff for it. Mm. And then they get very... But it's not just them. Other people just go... They wouldn't have had sideburns like that. And it's just <laughs> <laughs> becomes a whole thing. So, yeah, that's been my observation. That's... People get more into the, the set dressing, literally, than perhaps mm. any plot holes. <laughs> you know? oh, that's not yeah. the right kind of corset. Yeah. Do we have any other takers for a definition of what period drama is? I guess it's something that sparks nostalgia, if I'm going to have a, a more serious answer. Oh. It's the stuff that it's it's sufficiently long ago that it's, it's a little bit foreign, at least. Mm. I was thinking about the kind of stuff that I'd watch that I'd say was a period drama, and I'd I'd think, okay, I watch stuff set in the 60s, so like Pennyworth or whatever, although that's an alternate universe stuff, but that I would definitely say was a period drama. But because I was born in the 70s, stuff that's in like the 80s and 90s doesn't feel like a period, even if it's set back there rather than filmed back there, doesn't feel yeah. like a period drama to me. But something in the 60s is that bit alien and at the same time is the sort of thing that my parents would have talked about. So, yeah, that, that for me, that's part of the definition. But I think it's going to be interesting talking to people who are younger than me to see what they think is a period drama. When, when, that, when does that stop? When's the upper limit for that? Well, I have an earlier cutoff point than you ah. um, yeah I mean my main ingredient I think for it ha this is what makes it period drama is more in terms of content or maybe this is form it I think it has mm. to have a slightly soapy element to it it's <laughs> like where, whether or not you know I'm including you know adaptations of Mm -hmm. big heavy air quotes great literary novels you know um <laughs> you know especially if they're victorian because so many of them were those novels were serialized and episodic mm -hmm. they yeah. actually do have that continuing drama kind of feeling baked into them one of my favorites which is the adaptation of bleak house a lot of which is kind of half hour episodes mm -hmm. and it was very consciously designed to mimic watching something like eastenders so you know not not being at all denigrated when i say they have to feel soapy no. yeah that's the level of concern and the the stakes are extremely high mm. within a family or a relationship so when you say soapy you mean like high emotional stakes carrying on from one bit to the next i absolutely like and yeah. you know i think that's part of the this question of historical accuracy as well hmm. you know when you think about so okay so so many period dramas are marriage plots like that's just what they are and it's very easy to dismiss that as something frothy uh. you know there's lots of people going like i'm, I'm gonna do a gritty jane austen or whatever <laughs> Like, well, I don't need that because in its way, it's already gritty because if you don't manage yes. to marry someone, you will end up in penury and have a terrible life. So the stakes are high already. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting, Faye, that you mentioned about nostalgia because on my list of period dramas, there's several ones like set in Roman times 
and Vikings as well. Uh-huh. And I have no particular nostalgia for those times. Interesting. <laughs> but they definitely do feel foreign. I think something like what Nemo said about it allows you to look at your own society. Mm-hmm. Mm. There has to be an assumption that the morals and values of the time differ from yours. Mm. Yeah. And generally, like, are more restrictive, we tend to think, because we like to think mm. of, like, now that we're sort of a lot freer and everything. Mm. So there's an idea that you have to be looking at this through a lens of of a different set of sensibilities and rules and I think that's one of the things that sometimes trips up modern period dramas when they make it too much of their sensibility of our time and then that stop mm. that stops feeling like a period drama if they've mm. if they've gone into that or you know made a character who sort of the kind of classic one is they make a very sort of feminist heroine and um, and that's quite jarring because you're like well no this isn't that's not what I'm watching the period drama for ah yes. um, yeah it, it needs to contrast my own society's morals there was quite a lot of talk about that with um the the latest adaptation of Around the World in 80 Days. Oh, I've still not seen that. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I haven't seen that. It was interesting to watch because obviously it's a fairly colonial novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Starring David Tennant and Ibrahim Koma. I'm not sure how to pronounce his name. And they talk about blackness and there's an interracial black-white relationship that happens over mm. the course of the episodes. And that mm-hmm. actually... They go to America and there is quite a lot of anti-blackness that happens and then they come back to Europe and there's a lot of anti-blackness that happens. And also they talk about it in a very like interesting way. And like Imogen said, so I was reading an article that was about the the phrase, um, oh, it was just a product of its time and how that's a really flawed thing. Mm. And it's something that we love to think or a lot of people do love to think because we like to think that we have progressed as society mm. towards people who wouldn't be racist or sexist or transphobic or all the other phobias. And, mm. and, and I think we can see that in period dramas quite starkly because I, I guess writers are aware now of like trying to center that conversation. And I, th- it was interesting with Around the World in 80 Days because I couldn't work out whether they had done it well or not. Like I kept swinging back and forth. <sighs> oh, that is interesting. There were some bits of it that I was like, oh, it's really good that they are flagging up that black-white allyship did happen in the 19th century mm-hmm. and that there were they mentioned things like boycotts and it wasn't just like racial like murder porn huh. and there were characters of color who had like significant like roles and good lines but it's still a colonial <laughs> novel and yeah so um. it was it was quite interesting how that was like weighed up and I, I don't know how they could have done it differently in 2021 <laughs> yeah I mean if you've seen the film the David Niven film and what they did with that which was very much oh I think it was Shirley MacLaine so mm. couldn't have been whiter at being the exotic Indian princess and mm. all of that kind of stuff and you just again if we're talking about product of its time or whatever even the the makings of stuff talking about the past and and yeah that's I mean, something that Raf talked about as well it's just that it's really interesting watching different adaptations of the same story like mm. we always have a new Robin Hood every what 10 5 10 years something like that mm. 
Mm. And I yeah. love that. I love watching the different versions of Robin Hood because it's 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 pretty much the same story. Everyone has the the basics for Robin Hood or King Arthur or anything that, of that kind of ilk that's of particular age. But we do different things to it every decade or every half decade. Even because at one point I was I used to collect sort of short story collections of Robin Hood, and you could tell which era they were written in mm. by not only the language they used but the focus they had. Mm. What was the what was the more important thing about identity about different people's power? Was it is this thing talking about class more? Is this thing talking about gender more? Is this you know talking about how does re- what does rebellion look like depending on which one you're looking at? Which is why I don't mind when, for example. Robin Hoods aren't very historically accurate because that's not the point. <laughs> the point is that we're projecting onto the known story of Robin Hood and we're just going, right, this is yeah. this is this decade's transformation of it. Yeah. But it's a funny one because if it's if it's too historically inaccurate, it can jar you too much. It's like Imogen was saying about that's not why I'm watching a period drama. You know, what I want some of that slightly nostalgic foreignness to it, I guess. Yeah. It's very poignant to you kind of hear you talking about Robin Hood because this is one of my projects that was lost to the pandemic was a new adaptation of Robin Hood. Oh, <laughs> my days! For theatre, for a, a young audience. Ah. Mm-hmm. And exactly as you said, both the writer and I, we both came in and pitched to this company. They were going, you know, very earnestly going like, you know, and we'd really like, you know, Marion to be really central to it. And both the writer and I came in and were like, or, or as well, why don't we just have a Robin who's female or femme? <gasps> Bum, bum, and we both had sort of separately said that and they went yeah great and we were like cool good okay so that's how we're we're going to come at this from the point of view of mm. you know we're going to have a, a, a femme robin a femme marion that's still a romantic relationship and mm. that kind of outsiderdom in the society they live in is what drives their social change mm. that's so cool i'm so excited about that <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen now. Sadly, that's lost. It's lost to time because socialist lesbian Robin Hood. Yeah, yes, basically. please. <laughs> yes, more, more queer Robin Hood, please. <laughs> oh damn! Ah, uh, I've wandered off though. From how do we talk about race and definitions and stuff, and how do we portray that and the rest of it? Like mm. even some of my favourite, more contemporary ones, which do have more actors of colour and they are then sometimes explicitly characters of colour. Sometimes it's colourblind and sometimes they're explicitly characters of colour. But there's still there's still a higher body count in the people who survive tend to be paler. They tend to be <laughs> yeah. less yep. tortured, less assaulted and less dead in general. And it's no matter how you slant it, even shows that look quite progressive, we're still bringing that with us. Wow. So we're talking about, you know, you, you transform it, you, you lean into the modernity of the period you're making the thing in. Yeah. But how, how far do you push that before it no longer becomes a period drama? So you could say, for example, Sherlock, hmm. definitely based on the original Victorian thing, with even a whole fanfic bit where they did that Christmas episode based in the Victorian version. Yeah, of course. But we wouldn't call that a period drama would we even though a lot of the plot lines and the characters and the rest of it have been taken and adapted and transformed Mm. for modern sensibilities for a Sherlock Holmes for this era and as with Robin Hood and King Arthur you also have Sherlock Holmeses for each era Mm. so 
I think what we were saying before about costumes really does come into it because mm-hmm. at least in the BBC context, which is one of the biggest producers of period dramas, yep. period dramas is synonymous with costume drama. Mm-hmm. And I was reading something about this. It's about the appearance of authenticity. And mm. the like the BBC in the UK it creates what is canonical in our minds, I would say, because mm. it has mm. the authority of a patron of the arts. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a long-established production company. And so we generally... Hmm, recently, it's coming under fire and also mm. rip BBC. But in the UK, and we ship TV shows mm-hmm. internationally, we are known as mm. costume drama producers. And I think it comes down to the idea that period drama is something that looks, it looks like it could have been made in that time period. <laughs> yeah. It, it creates a world that draws us in enough that we're like oh yeah the way that they're speaking oh but then as i'm saying that i'm like oh but then you have shows like the great which have the lavish Mm -hmm. sets and it is Mm. i would say a costume drama but they speak in colloquial british rather than russian i can't wait to watch the great (laughs) it's on my big list Mm -hmm. like nicholas holtz is so weirdly good. Yep. Mm. I saw him in The Favourite and I was like, oh, you were made for this. Mm. I see. Unhinged. <laughs> yeah. I love it. Nicholas Holt loves to wear a powdered wig and be a weird little guy. <laughs> yeah, just a little. <laughs> I support him. Running around. What a life. Sounds great. Let him be weird and be wigged. <laughs> Weird and Bewigged. That's a period drama. Uh, <laughs> that's the title of this episode, Weird and Bewigged. Right, got it. I'm calling it now. Mm-hmm. And on that announcement, <laughs> we're going to go to a break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello everyone, this is Helen, the voice of Azu from Rusty Quill Gaming and host of our chat show, Enthusiasm. If you haven't heard yet, Rusty Quill has a brand new original audio drama, Trice Forgotten. Trice Forgotten is a swashbuckling found family adventure created by Nemo Martin. Alestes likes to keep her head down while she works as a merchant, couriering deliveries and carrying travellers to destinations across the seas. Only, as her travellers gradually become permanent crewmates, she realises her ship has become a floating museum, a laboratory, a vault of repatriated treasures and a chef's kitchen. After spending most of her life with the understanding that nothing changes, no matter how hard you fight, Alestes is faced with a choice. Will she use her new network of allies to build a safe harbour and potentially a future for her new community? Or will she once again put her head down and drown in her sea of excuses? Trice Forgotten is the latest audio drama from Rusty Quill, creators of multiple award-winning podcasts, including the Magnus Archives and Rusty Quill Gaming. Search for Trice Forgotten, that's T-R-I-C-E, wherever you listen to your podcasts or visit www.rustyquill.com for more information and welcome back so that was a really cool first half where we talk about all kinds of theory and now (laughs) i want to talk about what shows we like and who should kiss (laughs) (laughs) now in the break we did have a minor discussion about how there's loads of shows about the Tudors Mm. and Nemo you also reminded me that like the BBC adaptation of Wolf Hall in terms of like the thing about filming in a way that makes us think that it could have been filmed like that at the time and how Mm. the BBC just like went completely natural light and had candlelight and it was couldn't see a thing (laughs) (laughs) it was good but like could not see most of what was happening <laughs> but what are your favorite shows to watch in terms of period drama i'm gonna have to put in a plug here for hornblower the Ewan griffith hornblower Ooh. series personal favorite because my sort of peak period drama watching years were a few years when i lived with a friend of mine and i was working nights seven days on seven days off so every alternate monday was the sort of monday after my night shift finish and we had classic british serials night which was Mm. where we, it was the funnest night of the week. She and I would have a couple of bottles of wine and watch whatever classic British serial were on. And Hornblower was, I think, what started classic British serials and remains a favourite to the point where we have to save it (laughs) for times of extreme stress. So if if you're heartbroken, then it's time to put on Duty and Mutiny and crack open the vodka because that's what you need. So yeah, Hornblower for me is one of the top ones. Mm. 
That's a good choice. Oh, I've got to pick up that baton because so many of my period drama watching experiences are incredibly social as well and about a group of friends. And actually at university, my still one of my closest friendship groups, we sort of formed a kind of unofficial period drama appreciation society. (laughs) And a real big fixture in that was North and South. Ooh, mm. yeah. Ooh, oh, yes, yes, yes. These are, these are the Amazing. correct reactions coming through my headphones. <laughs> um, yes. And actually the very first time that I watched that, which is an adaptation of an Elizabeth Gaskell novel starring Richard Armitage and the daughter from my family. <laughs> Sorry to that actress, I can't remember her name. Oh, no. Um, and the very first time that I watched it, I watched it with a friend and we we invented a cocktail, which, which we called a gaskell after the writer oh my god uh, i think it was something awful like peach snaps and limeade or kind of something. like yes that thing like you know you're you're 16 and what's in the house i would drink that i would drink Tough that. dissolving stuff yeah do you know what there's a moment where i think she hands him a teacup mm. and their hands brush and my friend grabbed mm. my wrist and went oh my god they basically just had sex <laughs> <laughs> And I think for me, that is that is the core. That is the real core yeah. of the appeal of a period drama is that moment. Yeah. Oh, it's just occurred to me. So North and South is about a nice Southern lady moves up North and there's a grumpy industrialist <laughs> and they hate each other and it's an enemies to lovers kind of deal. Mm-hmm. I've never seen Hornblower. I don't actually know what it's about, Imogen. What's Hornblower actually about? Okay, Hornblower is is a young man, Horatio Hornblower, what infernal luck, joins the Navy as a midshipman. That's one of the lines from the show. That's not me being coarse. And he goes from a callow youth who get terribly seasick, and but he learns through the course of it how to be like a, a, a dutiful a man, basically, and how to lead. He tastes the mm. captain's bitter brew and he's like, that another line. <laughs> and he he becomes like, a, he, I think he gets, there's a series of books by C.S. Forrester, I want to say, and he gets all the way to Admiral. I mean, Alice and I still say if we've had to like take on a responsibility that was difficult, we had a really bad day at work, we had to lead other people, we'll say, I tasted the captain's bitter brew today. <laughs> I was braced, but it still didn't help. This sounds intensely homoerotic, Imogen. I, I couldn't possibly comment. <laughs> and it's on the ship, right? And all ship dramas, they're all like, it's just a group of men. It's just very manly men. Having some horn-blowing time. I'm going straight to AO3 after this. Oh. <laughs> Nemo, while we're on you, what's your favourite period drama show then? I, I was trying to think about this because very recently I've been getting into the Chinese wuxia genre so like <sighs> sorry for this pronunciation or the untamed and there's one called nirvana and fire mm-hmm. it, it's like a cross between fantasy and period drama but it, I it's got the same like you watch it for the costumes you watch it for the especially nirvana and fire has that political intrigue court drama it's like a court drama which mm. is quite period drama kind of touched on the Tudors which is a lot of court drama (laughs) and because a lot of them are based on Chinese web light novels which are basically mostly gay stories but once they become produced in China because of censorship laws Mm. they can't actually kiss or 
like or touch or show that they're in a romantic relationship so it does have a lot of like raf's favorite thing of like (laughs) they look at each other and you know that like oh my god look at them they're basically having a sloppy makeup right yearning (laughs) the yearning Yearning. and like you know they call each other their soulmates and like oh they're bonded forever but like you know they can't be husbands yeah so that that's the kind of world that i've been living in (laughs) (laughs) Faye, what about you uh, I'm sorry, I've just had a flashback because I've been thinking about what were the first period dramas I watched because my mother was very, very into them. Mm. I was thinking, oh, yes, things like the Oneidan line and Upstairs, Downstairs and stuff. But then I was thinking, no, I, I used to watch Monkey and the Water Margin. Oh, I used to watch Monkey. Ah, oh, glorious. What was Monkey? Yeah, um, it's based on the old, sorry, it's very, very old, so old. It's based on the old um, Journey to the West. So if we're talking period, it's like really old. Mm. And it's basically, it's a, an, an epic quest taking someone from China to India is where they're heading. But the one I watched, again, because there's very little, this is the one that was from the 70s. And, and it's dubbed... Which nowadays I would find, and, and I, I remember as a as a small and not entirely neurotypical child, finding it very difficult that the lip reading was different from the um, from my dad having to explain it to me, and I was just dissonance and all the rest of it. But then I got, kind of got used to it. Yeah, the the music was profoundly seventies, mm. and so were all the huge sideburns and all the rest of it. And it's a, it again, it's a, a cross between fantasy because you've got magical sort of demigod type creatures like monkey and. Pigsy and Sandy and people like that who are essentially animal spirits who have their own special skills and the rest of it. Lots, lots and lots of people fighting each other and screaming and occasional plot. But mostly it's people just getting into scrapes and then getting out of them and uh, lots of human venality and stuff like that. So, yeah, that was kind of my first introduction to that. But, but... The one that is my big one now, I would say, is talking about BBC period drama, is The Musketeers. Mm. Yeah. Which version? Because I think there's been a couple. This is the BBC one that was, now this shows my depth of fandomness, but it was 2014 (laughs) to 2016. And I didn't start watching it till 2018. So, yeah, Ah. yeah, that kind of thing. But um, it was three seasons and you could tell they were running out of cash towards the end of the second season and that it was all going to finish because suddenly everything speeds up and gets very, ah, let's tie all (laughs) the plots together really, really, really fast. Yeah. Uh, And again, it's interesting watching that with my own knowledge of the 17th century stuff and then getting to know people in fandom who include professional costumiers who go, nope, (laughs) about (laughs) the hair and the corsets. There's one person who will give you a dissertation on corsets. But one of the things I love, one of the little nuggets of behind the scenes stuff that I love is that everyone wore from underwear outwards everyone wore full costume for these shows Uh, right so that in in the the scenes shot in the summer they're all going kill me now how did people do this (laughs) (laughs) it's like a hundred layers plus a lot of leather because this particular adaptation has gone for a lot of leather which is (laughs) great obviously Mm. i'm a huge fan of the the films of the Muskies, mm. which are all terrible in their own different ways <laughs> yes wonderfully <laughs> terrible amazing so enjoyably like i couldn't i couldn't even tell you which was my favorite they're all amazing so i must try this tv series on a vaguely related sort of topic i'm gonna put my what is the phrase 
my flag on a mountain, my, my foot in the ground. I'm Line in the sand? Colours to the mast. Spartacus is what I'm, what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> the stars with a Z production of Spartacus. Oh my. <laughs> it's got some of the best like character writing that I've come across, mm. genuinely. Mm-hmm. But you would be easily fooled. <laughs> Into thinking that it's terrible yep. because of they don't have any money. Yeah. <laughs> they have three sets and no money. And it's about, obviously it's about Spartacus. It's about gladiators. Mm. Every fight has got a heavy metal yeah. soundtrack oh my gosh. underneath it. And there is so much CGI blood that looks yeah. like it was out of a 90s PlayStation game, just splashing everywhere. And yet the characters themselves and the actors and the writing mm. is really, really solid, in my opinion. Yeah. It comes with all of the trigger warnings that you might expect for a narrative about slavery. Mm. But the arcs in it are very interesting. It's got that thing again of there being really high emotional stakes mm-hmm. about relationships being really important about there being rivalries and arguments and disagreements and people nearly dying and then people actually dying. Mm. <laughs> well, there's forbidden love as well from what I remember because I've only seen like the first season. So before the actor mm. had to be switched out, which is a real shame, wasn't it? Mm. Yeah, I, I just mostly just went Lucy, Lucy Lawless for like a long time. Just She's going, great in it. She just absolutely steals it as she, you know you'd expect lucy lawless is excellent in everything that she does Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah i need to look up the actor who played enemaeus who is like the the gladiator trainer guy Mm. and he is sort of the most noble having a code loyalty driven character and that makes him make some bad decisions because obviously his loyalty is towards the slave owner at first but then they persuade it like they eventually are like look look at the thing look look at the mm. look at the th-. and then he becomes just a staunch a supporter of of Spartacus and like the freedom and it's he's so good he's so good peter mensa that's the guy there's also a lot of men wearing very little so you know <laughs> if that if that draws you in Okay, I was not going to mention the character I think we are only we only know as horse but oh my god, burying the lead there really. Poor horse we barely knew ye. I'd forgotten. I'd forgotten horse. Oh, Dave. So how could you okay. forget horse? Like I've not seen this show because, but because you're like Lucy yeah, Lawless. My mind. Because Lucy Lawless. I oh, think okay, fair enough. Fair it. enough. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> my my new favorite relationship is hornblower and horse. <laughs> so <laughs> I think that's the episode title. <laughs> but yeah, I would recommend just be careful with it because it's horrible all the way through. Oh god, yeah. There's a lot of sexual exploitation as well in it. Way more than I was yes. anticipating, even having seen. Oh yeah, of all genders, yeah, yeah. There's like a broader point to extrapolate that about like all period drama, which is it obviously does tend to land its focus on the shoals of like a certain like class level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's not always the very very highest, but 
there are these invisible stratas of mm. of society in the mm. past, which are, you know, which I think probably includes quite a lot of sort of middle class stratas as well. Like yep. you don't mm. tend to see, you know, some regency. You don't tend to see people who are shopkeepers on the, the sort of a cruel joke tossed off by a Bingley sister. Like yeah, you know, like there's yeah. loads and loads of layers who I think you could you we almost end up feeling like they didn't exist, which I think, Nemo, it's going back to what you were saying about, you know, what's put out by the BBC ends up essentially setting the kind of cultural tone or temperature or whatever for how we think of the past. And it's, no, it was all rich people. And also there were some servants because the rich people had servants. Okay, because I'm thinking about the period dramas of my youth again, sort of 70s and 80s and stuff like that. And... Things like upstairs, downstairs, which was deliberately and explicitly about the different the different levels of society, mm. as it is with Downton Abbey and all the rest of it now. But there was also in the seventeenth century again, by the sword divided, which was about the build up to and then the execution of the British Civil War. Ooh. Yeah, but that focused on a actually quite middle class family and how they divided into. For, I, I don't want to say roundheads or cavaliers, but whatever the actual. The actual term for that was in you know, the kind of parliamentarians, parliamentarians and, and royalists. Royalists, yes, yes, yeah. And again, it's about family, it's about identity, and all the rest of it, as we keep seeing in in any drama, let alone like a period drama, and where people choose to place their loyalties, as well as the the, the big grand stage stuff and about big fighting and you know famous people and all the rest of it. But you've also got this this family and how it positions itself in this divided land and the rest of it. And looking back. I'm glad that was one of my early exposures to historical, I guess, historical fiction, historical drama, whatever, yeah. was the idea that it wasn't, as you say, there are some people with names and then there are servants, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, the one that was quite formative, it was also this is like a big recommend, mm-hmm. also English Civil War. There was one called The Devil's Whore. Oh, yes. Yeah. I remember that. I really liked that. I know the name, but don't... Yeah. I thought that was good, yeah. I don't remember anything about it, but... It was great. And John Sim played a character called Sexby, which I, is funny. Yeah, but that one was also... That was literally following her sort of going up and down these different sort of stratas of mm. society. Maybe mm. we just need more English Civil War. Clearly. Period drama. <laughs> Maybe that's the answer. I think that'd be very more interesting. More stuff. Or more French Revolution stuff even, because mm. that's got a whole bunch of stuff about... Although, again, you start researching fanfic for Musketeers and find out <laughs> how many revolutions there have been. When you start saying French Revolution, yeah. and, and if you've done any research, you go, which so one? Which one, yeah. Which, yeah. which uprising? Yeah. You know, at which point? And it's sort of characteristic things. But what I loved reading about was when the most successful ones were the ones that took in, all, again, all strata of, of society, yes. saying, nah. I will not, kind of thing, <laughs> when that happens and, and how important that is. I am going to have to draw us to a close because we've gone way <laughs> over time. <laughs> but it's all been really fascinating. Oh, I didn't even talk about Desperate Romantic. Oh, what's Desperate Romantic? And I didn't, even talk, I didn't even talk about Versailles. <gasps> or Lost in Austin. Or <laughs> oh, what a disgustingly expensive looking show that is. <laughs> But I do want to go round a bit and I would like us to give like a recommendation for like a show that we think deserves a bit more love. Like that's, that is what we've been doing for a while, but I feel like we all have like a dozen of them. <laughs> so I want to give everyone one last opportunity before we close. 
and I am I am going to go with Versailles since I just mentioned it because I I don't I know nothing about that period of history I know nothing about France and I I spent the whole time thinking I'm not sure if I'm going to watch the next episode I don't know if I like this or not and then suddenly I'd finished the series mm. so <laughs> so it's not entirely a recommendation it's just uh, I had some emotions watching this <laughs> you may also have some emotions. And it's one of the very rare instances where I've seen a successful thruple relationship ah. play out. More of that, please. It takes a while to get there, but it's a fun it's fun watching the dynamic develop. Mm. Imogen. Okay, I would say oh, Jewel in the Crown. That's ah, I don't know if that's yeah. unloved, but it's oh so good, so good. Young Art Malik, amazing. Obviously the Jeremy mm. Brett Sherlock Holmes, amazing. Yes. Mm. Superior Ooh. Sherlock Holmes. Oh my god, yeah, just the best. And that's a very competitive mm. category, but he is the best. <laughs> yeah. And I would probably also go for the Romola Garay four part adaptation of Emma, which is awesome. Lovely. Mm. I love Romola Garay. Her and Johnny Lee Miller and Tamsin Gregg as Miss Bates, and it's sublime. It's really good. <laughs> Faye. Obviously, I've already spoken about in depth about the Musketeers, but I would really like to point people towards Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell. Ooh! Partly because I was a big fan of the book and I expected mm. to be very grumpy about the adaptation and genuinely loved it mm. and ag- agreed with n- pretty much all of the because obviously in order to adapt a book you have to make stylistic choices yeah and you don't always get the casting that you, you'd want and the rest of it or you have a different vision in your head from what the readers do on the rest of it but they really they nailed so much of the eerie yet mannered vibe of mm. of the books so yeah it's something like a six part you can get it from various different places and i would definitely recommend that i've also had a couple of people telling me that i should watch the war and peace but i know nothing about it except again this is from my costume friend <laughs> costume costumes were all right plot went a bit weird but the costumes are great <laughs> <laughs> and yeah outlander along a similar lines i've again it's been on my list yeah and i've seen the first couple of episodes and i know it's the kind of thing because i grew up reading things like lots of robert louis stevenson and all that kind of stuff it's right there in my like childhood story wheelhouse so i, I want to watch it i want to get into it but it's like you know hours in the day and stuff so cool. yeah Raf, what about you? What would you recommend? I have to say Brideshead Revisited. Ooh. The 13 hour miniseries, like, yes. not miniseries, it's 13 hours. But <laughs> the, the, the Jeremy Irons and um, Auntie Andrews one. The, yeah, the fact that it takes 13 hours to adapt a 200 page book, it's a bit longer than that. <laughs> yeah. Like it is like sinking into a bath, a very gay bath. Mm. Like, very, very gay lovely. bath. Lovely. So I have to recommend that one. I will also, one that I think is very underloved, unloved, is the, I think it's like 2003 adaptation of Daniel Deronda. Yes, that's really good. Oh, yes, isn't it really, really good? good. <laughs> it's also Romola Garay and Hugh Dancy. Yes, she's amazing. She should be in more everything. <laughs> yep, agreed. Yeah. I, think she, I think maybe she's like the unsung her- mm. period drama kind of 
Yeah. Because mm. also The Hour as well, which is also a period drama, definitely. Mm. But Daniel Deronda was George Eliot's last book and kind of unfinished and like oh. it's a bit imperfect, but I think it's it's a really brilliant and fascinating book and has sort of two parallel storylines. One about a guy called Daniel Deronda, who's played by Hugh Dancy, <laughs> who is adopted and basically sort of becomes kind of inexplicably drawn to his Jewish friend in the Jewish quarter of London. This is Victorian. And maybe he's going to find some stuff out about himself. Wink, mm. wink, eyebrow, right? <laughs> and I am part Jewish, so that I love that sort of story. And then the other side is Romola Garai playing this brilliantly kind of, calculating is the wrong word, but playing a beautiful woman called Gwendolyn whose family is poor, but she is going to marry well. Mm, and that, so like, and, and the way that those two storylines intersect. Mm. And it's really, really good. And then I also just have to give my trash recommendation, which is Desperate Romantics. Yes. Which is, oh, when was I on? Like 2008, 2009, maybe? It's a, it was a BBC series about the pre-Raphaelite Brotherhood and their artists and they're angry and they're horny. And like, <laughs> that is the whole summary. Extremely relatable. Aidan Turner <laughs> plays Dante Gabriel Rossetti. Yeah, it's, that's what it's about. That's the, that's the whole of it. Yeah, and it's kind of Aidan Turner just like slightly pre-stardom like just oh. before we kind of but yeah he's playing Dante Gabriel Rossetti so it's very he's very he's very brooding there's a lot of shirt sleeves nice there's a lot of like angry storming into taverns <laughs> and slamming down nice. tankards so I, I cannot in good conscience call it a good show but it is a very special <laughs> show that's extremely valid mm-hmm. and Nemo what would you like to recommend On the East Asia side, I would recommend Kingdom, which is a South Korean drama. It's a period drama, a court period drama, and then zombies happen. Oh! And it's like, if you try and be like, oh, like, it's medieval times, and you're trying to stop a a zombie apocalypse from happening, and you can't, like, text people in, like, cities far away (laughs) that there's a zombie apocalypse coming, like, you've only got horses. Yeah, it's, like, stressful, and it's really good. It's on Netflix and word of honor which is very much the like two guys who are soulmates uh-huh. and they soul bond <laughs> and then on the other side uh, it was something that Faye brought up that reminded me the 2019 film by Lajli called Le Miserable which is not technically an adaptation because it's set in 21st century France, but it's from the perspective of a group of black teenagers and it's about police brutality. Mm. Oh, wow. I've heard really good things, yeah. And it is that idea of like how to adapt. It's not a period drama because it's not set, it's not like set mm-hmm. in, you know, it's, it doesn't have Jean Valjean, it doesn't have Javert in it, mm. but it does talk about the socioeconomic structure of Paris and and about police brutality and about all of the like class consciousness and all of that that Hugo talked about, but specifically made by a black French filmmaker in 2019. So yeah, that's my recommendation. Very cool. Mm. Oh, I love all these recommendations so much. This is great. But we definitely have to have to stop. <laughs> um, we really, really do. <laughs> But thank you all so much for coming on. This has been one of those episodes where I've just learned so much and just felt so hashtag blessed (laughs) to have such smart people around me. But with that, I will see you in the next episode. For now, 
it is goodbye from me. Goodbye. And it is goodbye from all my guests. Would you all like to say goodbye? Goodbye. Farewell. Goodbye. 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 Farewell. <laughs> yeah, I thought, oh God, take it again, guys. <laughs> Do you all want to say just farewell? <laughs> Pretty fare thee well. <laughs> Adieu. Adieu. May God be with thee. <laughs> we ride. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hello all, it's Helen here, the voice of Azu from Rusty Quill Gaming and the host and director of Enthusiasm. Today, I'm here to tell you about The Program. The Program audio series is a science fiction anthology podcast set in a world where money, state, and God are fused into a single entity. Every episode is a standalone story featuring ordinary people inhabiting this extraordinary world. And for them, it's not the future that is terrifying, but our present. The Program is sometimes funny, sometimes poignant, but it is always smart. Find out more about the program at www.rustyquill.com or www.programaudioseries.com or search for the Program Audio Series wherever you listen to your podcasts. Have fun and enjoy the episode. At dawn, <laughs> the minor strike comes tomorrow. We take down the bourgeois class. <laughs> <laughs> Shush, they'll hear us. And that's the title of the episode. (laughs) Enthusiasm is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Share-Alike 4.0 International License. It is directed by Helen Gould, produced by Lori Ann Davis, with executive producers Alexander J. Newell and April Sumner and edited by Marissa Ewing, Tessa Broom, and Catherine Rinella. Thanks for listening. Thank you.